0: Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today I'm speaking with Misty Williams. At 35 years old, Misty founded HealingRosie.com to provide high-performing women with the resources and community to successfully confront the unexpected chronic health issues that women often experienced as they age. Misty just had me on her summit, Your Best Sleep Ever Summit, and we're going to talk a lot about sleep in this conversation as well as her journey um, that I hope a lot of women out there um, can be helped with um, by hearing her story story. We know that sleep is so important, especially in this time of really prioritizing our health. And I hope you take away some great pearls today. Welcome, Misty. I'm really looking forward to interviewing you today on the podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, Dr. Christine. Well, we just got to know each other. I know that we have many uh, friends uh, that are similar in our community, and you're doing a wonderful summit that's coming up, your best sleep ever, and I was really honored to be invited, and we had a lot of fun uh, with my interview, and I just thought it would be a wonderful opportunity to share more about uh, your work, your healing community, and the summit during this podcast today. So we'll just dive in.
1: That sounds awesome
0: so we're really going to be talking about how optimizing your sleep can help you lose weight and have more energy who doesn't want any of those things and I think in uh, the last few years you know um, people have been more and more um, you know mindful of sleep and how sleep is such an impactful tool to their health and starting to realize the importance that this is a foundational part of their health and that we really need to prioritize sleep it's no longer in vogue to have you know four or five hours of sleep and be workaholics the successful people in life are now, um, like Ariana Huffington, I know her book, um, really, you know, promoting how sleep is such a critical factor for being more productive and more fulfilled and more healthy. So I think it's um, coming at a great time that you're sharing this energy uh, this information rather. And like many of us, um, your story started uh, with a personal journey. And I would love for you to share that with our audience, how you really found that sleep was such a critical part of your healing journey.
1: Yeah, well, my journey started in 2011, so it's crazy to think it's been almost 10 years ago, Um, but I went in for a routine physical, and I had motherhood on my mind. I wanted to be a mother. I was single at the time and wasn't sure how I was going to pull all of that off, but it seemed prudent that I should check on my fertility, so they did an ultrasound and found a cyst on my left ovary. So the cyst was large, about the size of a cantaloupe. They wanted to remove it. So we scheduled surgery, and it was supposed to be a simple surgical procedure, outpatient, 25 minutes, you know, in and out, and I would have a follow-up phone call with the doctor, not even a, a full office visit, um, just to check on me and make sure things were okay. So I figured it was, you know, a pretty basic procedure, and they seemed to have a process that uh, indicated this wasn't that big of a deal. So I didn't tell anyone except my roommate and my mom. <laughs> Those are the only two people that knew, um, went in on a Thursday morning for surgery. And after the surgery was over, um, recovered, uh, and I had a tough recovery too. recovered in the, um, in this little like room that had basically a bunch of curtains up to kind of divide different, uh, beds from each other. Um, and found out that my surgery had taken two and a half hours. Um, they found endometriosis when they opened me up and spent um, an additional two hours removing scar tissue from my abdomen and three polyps from my uterus. And on their way out, unbeknownst to them and to me, they stitched up part of my small intestine. So when I went home, about six hours later, I started vomiting, and I continued vomiting for the next six days. I was unable to reach my doctor, called my doctor's office on Friday, on Saturday multiple times, finally heard from a doctor Saturday night who was on call, knew nothing about my situation, told us that if I got dehydrated, I should go to the emergency room, which I probably was dehydrated, but had no idea what being dehydrated looked like. And by Sunday, everything is so swollen inside of my body. My abdomen is swollen. I'm very, very uncomfortable. And Monday, I was supposed to have that follow-up appointment and my doctor didn't call. So... I called about 30 minutes later and they said she'd gone home sick that day. Apparently she didn't get any of my messages from the weekend. And on Tuesday I was there at 9am when the doctor doctor's office opened. And I told the receptionist, I was there to see the doctor. She told me to come back at 1230 and I told her I wasn't leaving until I saw the doctor. And about 1030, the doctor called, had me go to the emergency room over at Baptist felt really really terrible that she hadn't gotten my messages and they wheeled me back for an MRI and found that they'd stitched up part of my small intestine. So I was admitted then. And ironically, uh, especially in light of this whole sleep conversation, the nurse on duty came to me and said, you know, they're really concerned. Your doctor's really concerned about your ability to sleep tonight. So I'm going to give you Ambien. And they gave me sleep aids for the next couple of nights, sent me home and I didn't sleep for over 144 hours. That's six days of not sleeping for a wink, which was terrifying. Um, I remember just being so emotional, utterly exhausted, laying in bed night after night, begging God for sleep, not understanding why I wasn't falling asleep. And it was very, very scary. Um, and I went back to my doctor two weeks later, and I was kind of in a daze at this point. After Even after I started sleeping, I started having crazy brain fog and fatigue. I was exhausted all the time. I felt like my body had just crashed. And she told me that I had endometriosis. And I asked her what caused endometriosis. She told me that I could Google it, that they didn't know what caused it, that she could put me on birth control or do surgery if it came back. And that really kicked off what has become the most unbelievable, not only physical journey of my life, but spiritual journey of my life. Um, I felt like I'd been hacked after that appointment and I, I started looking for answers. I felt like I was on my own because she wasn't able to help me and I couldn't believe that there were no answers and I started looking in the alternative health space for answers and worked with a chiropractor whose first question was, tell me about your sleep. And that's when I really started learning about sleep. And this is obviously a really, really big conversation. I've learned so, so much over the years about sleep and the important role that sleep plays in our healing. But certainly, I I started out my journey having a terrible sleep experience. And my answers to that chiropractor's questions were like, I don't sleep and go to bed until 2 a.m. I wake up in the morning feeling like I'd been hit by a Mack truck. And I kind of attributed that to I was sleeping, you know, I'm in a sleep stupor when I wake up and started learning things like you're supposed to wake up feeling refreshed. I'm like, what is that? I did not even know that was a thing. I couldn't remember ever in my life waking up feeling refreshed. So there's a lot to learn around this topic. And, um, and I, I started with getting to bed by 10 PM. It took me about six months to kind of recondition my body around sleeping and waking up. And, um, and at about the six-month mark, I started doing cold baths to support my mitochondria. And lo and behold, the cold baths were the last little piece that kind of helped everything to click in. And I started waking up not feeling exhausted in the morning. And that was a very new, wonderful feeling. Um, and you know, my, my journey is full, probably there's way more to talk about than what we could fit into this podcast here, but I've had lots of hormonal issues. Two years later, they improperly drilled mercury from my teeth. So I had all that mercury go up into my hypothalamus and down into my thyroid and crashed my hormones. They told me that I had premature ovarian failure. Um, no one connected the dots by the way on the mercury toxicity piece, it was like a mystery, you know, what's happened to you? And I'd gained 45 pounds in four months while being fully paleo and working out with a trainer and I'd cleaned all the chemicals out of my home and had done all the EMF stuff. I'd even gotten meters and gone through and done tons of testing and turned off the Wi-Fi and hardwired the TV and the computer and, you know, just all the stuff that you're supposed to do to take good care of yourself. And it's like, why am I suddenly gaining so much weight? Um uh, so it's been challenging for me as a patient um but also really empowering at the same time because I think I think I did what a lot of women and men in our space are learning to do and that's to really take on this health journey as your own journey this is this is for me to figure out you know this is my life and my future and I am committed to creating the best life that I can so, yeah, many, many colors to this conversation. Uh,
0: yeah, no, and thanks for diving in, Misty, and your your journey is, um, you know, it's like at every angle, uh, it seems like you just um, went through so much, but, it, you know, knowing you and what you're creating and have created, you've turned this into such a beautiful opportunity and you know, just to echo, a lot of my patients share your story, and that they, um, you know, I'm not anti-conventional medicine in any way, but I, I feel like there's a. a- time and a place for um, all medicine. And um, what, you know, makes me sad, and I know what you're really committed to is just how much people have to advocate for themselves, you know, Mm -hmm. within uh, the conventional system because of, you know, and we could unpack that for a whole hour, right? The pressures that doctors are under. And, you know, I I believe that doctors are great people and they went to medicine for altruistic reasons, but they are in a very, very challenging system that none of us probably would ever want to um, be part of, but it it translated into you know really suboptimal, very negligent care in your in your in your case. It sounds like, and um, I know we want to talk about sleep, but I, I think there's an opportunity here to share a little bit about your journey from a, um, you know, female reproductive uh, perspective, because a lot of my patients have ovarian cysts and endometriosis. And um, did you have symptoms, of, um, you know, um, before this routine ultrasound, or was it just the desire to get pregnant and ch- um, check out your fertility that prompted um, this investigation? But um, given, you know, how much endometriosis it sounded like, yeah. You had, um, did you have any symptoms or looking back? By- I
1: did. I didn't know. I didn't know I had symptoms, but I absolutely had symptoms. I had very heavy periods from my very first period. Um, My periods were seven days long, super heavy. I had severe cramping for the first four days of my period. Um, I would pop ibuprofen like it was candy. Every three or four hours, I was popping three ibuprofen. And I had no idea that there were you know i was potentially creating issues for myself with with ibuprofen but um i i thought that it was very normal to have crazy periods i thought it was just part of being a woman to have really hard periods and my girlfriends and i i remember in college we would compare notes on who had the worst period that month you know so um so i was absolutely having symptoms but no doctor ever responded to my experience as if they were symptomatic. And so, um, so I I just didn't have a clue. Um, After the surgery, I did have the the right surgery for endometriosis, which is called excision surgery, where they actually dig out the tissue instead of just kind of scraping the tissue, which allows that root to regrow. Um, I did have the excision procedure and I, I only have I believe I'm being factual here in nine years. I've only had two periods where I felt anything in my abdomen. And it was like on a scale of one to 10, I'd give it a one. Um, Outside of that, I've, I felt nothing and I would attribute that to First of all, just cleaning up my abdomen. But second of all, I started doing a lot of things right away to better support my hormones and, and it was really helpful Endometriosis is very common among women and, you know, I I remember feeling when I had that initial conversation with the OBGYN who did my surgery, I remember feeling shocked that she would tell me that they didn't know what caused endometriosis because I'd heard of it before and I guess I just had this assumption that if you spend, you know, 12 years plus in... Medical school specializing in an area of medicine that you're going to understand disease. And what I've learned is that by and large across medicine, there's not really much of an understanding of the root cause of disease in the conventional sense. Um, It's really more about symptoms. They kind of look at the body as, you know, this organism that. that presents symptoms and what can we do to alleviate the symptom? Well, we'll just take out that gallbladder or those tonsils or that appendix or, you know, whatever. Um, They removed my appendix when I was 11 in for a different surgery because it looked big. (laughs) That was why they took it. So, you know, I mean, it's just a very different paradigm, certainly, than what I expected as a patient. Um, I looked at doctors as healers and, you know, that's not that's not really the paradigm of conventional medicine at all. They don't, they don't purport to heal, which is why my doctor told me at the time that they don't know what causes endometriosis. That's just not their, their paradigm. And I think that's a really important thing as women, especially women have a harder go of it than men. Our bodies are just much more sensitive to the environment than a man's body is as the perpetuator of the species. And, uh, I think it's really important that women know that, um, Doctors are not necessarily healers unless that's their area of specialization. You know, we have wonderful doctors in the functional medicine space, in the naturopathic space. Um, Certainly, there's many branches of of health, I would say, uh, not necessarily medicine that care a lot more about healing. But I think if we can lower our expectation of doctors collectively and... Put ourselves into the driver's seat of our own health, we're able to create a much better experience. And that's what I had to learn the very, very, very hard way. I went through doctor after doctor after doctor telling me that my labs were normal and things were fine. Six months after my surgery, they found nodules on my thyroid while they continued to tell me that my labs were normal and everything was fine. And I'm freaking out because they found another thing that clearly pointed to the fact that I'm not fine, you know. So, you know, years and years of that really, it ended up inspiring me. i I found so many women struggling like I've struggled, and it was really the impetus behind creating the healing Rosie community because I wanted women who were patients that were learning how to navigate and advocate to have a place that they could come and get support and know that they're not alone and you know find tools and resources and strategies for navigating this journey because it's, it's very confronting and challenging, especially what it typically hits you out of nowhere. You know, certainly it did for me. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And I, I love how you, um, you know, reflected on looking at your cycles. I mean, a lot of, you know, I'm a naturopath and, um, you know, we we learn at looking at the root cause of, you know, illness. And while we're an evolving profession, you know, we're all really committed at looking at, okay, what is the reason why and not just giving people palliation or, um, you know, look um, at just, you know, surgery, surgery medication, right? We have a big toolkit. And, um, you know, one of the things I think a lot of young women don't understand is that you know, our period should really be a non-event as far as pain and, right? um, you know, PMS. And, you know, we, I think as women just collectively, since so many people experience these symptoms, we just kind of think it's normal. And I I really like to reflect that. And I I see a lot of women with chronic illness and Lyme disease, and a lot of um, women that are in my office tend to have estrogen dominance and have some type of form of PCOS or fibroids or endometriosis. And um, so I I think it's just such an important... important um you know if you're a mom and want to you know educate your daughters or if you're listening out there it's like if you are reflecting on your monthly cycle and it's amazing I mean this happens every month right so to go into Mm -hmm. you know such a symptom state every month is just not natural and there's a reason why and we'll we'll get into that one thing I just want to um you know, I know since you do so much um, great work for your community, um, do you have some insights for women who might think that they have endometriosis, like a checklist of how to get that diagnosed? Because a lot of, when you go to the conventional world, a lot of, um, you know, there's not some obvious physical signs on physical exam, but they will say, oh, we could do laparoscopic exploratory surgery. And so, you know, what what's the in-between? How can we, um, you know, how can we maybe get this diagnosis um, rather than just, um, you know, sign up for For exploratory surgery is the only option,
1: right? I know it's it's a scary prospect to have to go under too just for them to check it out. You know, I think I think if we if we can hold this whole space as not the diagnosis isn't what's important. What's really important is rebalancing your hormones. And if you're having these symptoms, you very likely have an estrogen dominance issue. You can you can ascertain that from regular lab results so if you've got symptoms and your labs are showing estrogen dominance then what you need to do is really work on rebalancing your hormones one of my very favorite specialists in this area is Magdalena Shalaki and she has um, a community called hormones balance and her whole focus is on really addressing the estrogen issue now what I personally did for my estrogen dominance is um, taking progesterone progesterone rebalances that estrogen dominant state. Um, I also take a combined um, supplement of DIM and calcium deglucrate to help thin out and support the liver in metabolizing estrogen so it doesn't build up in your system so much. I also cleaned out my my medicine cabinet, my bathroom cabinet, you know, uh, really looking in for those xenoestrogens in our environment that are mimicking estrogen and creating that estrogen dominant state inside of our bodies. And um, these chemicals that are estrogen-like that are in our lotions and makeups and, you know, all sorts of products, plastics, these chemicals actually at the receptor site will bind to our receptors and create all sorts of havoc in our bodies. So those are the things that I did to deal with my situation. Um, there's also some a lot of dietary things that you can do, getting more bitters in your diet. Um, broccoli sprouts are really awesome. Um, but I would, I would highly recommend Magdalena's work because I feel like she's done such a good job of really putting together some great protocols around this. And she works with women on this um, all the time and has really come up with paths that work. People follow her protocols and they get fibroids to shrink and nodules to go away. And I mean, she's just a pioneer for us. And I feel really grateful. Like she wasn't around when I started. (laughs) When my journey started, there wasn't, you know, Dr. Anna Kabeca and Magdalena Shalaki and just so many of these amazing Practitioners who have come forward to support women in in navigating the specific women's health dimension of this conversation. You know, I I think the only thing I could find back in my day was Suzanne Summers and her bioidentical hormone books, you know, which was, it was something, right? It was a start. I was certainly grateful for it. Um, But we're really blessed now that there's more pioneers that. Are blazing a trail for us.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely, and you know, I I want to just echo also um, the mercury removal as well, and that's one of the things that we, um, you know, uh, in spite of a lot of education, still people have amalgams, and um, and dentists unfortunately still place amalgams, which is insane to me. But um, but. Um, as you mentioned, um, that was a source of exposure, but also a source of, um, a lot of, uh, pain and suffering since it sounds like they were improperly removed. Can you just yes. land on that a little bit? Cause I
1: still feel like we need to yes. people there. Uh, that was that was super traumatic for, for me. I, I didn't know, I didn't connect the dots until 2018. So the removal was in 2013. Um, and I went five, five years. So it was like a total mystery. So, and I was even going to functional medicine doctors. And none of them even asked, so it wasn't uncovered. as As this is this is like a an important contributor to what's happening. So I started running my labs in 2011. So I had by 2013, I had a history of my hormones, and then after after they removed those amalgam fillings, they everything bottomed out. Um, my FSH was like through the roof, and I mean everything in my labs looked looked terrible, but nobody asked about it. The solution was, well, let's put you on hormone therapy, which I am a huge fan of, by the way, I think as women get older and our hormones are waning for a variety of reasons. And it seems if we're oversimplifying this, that the number one reason that our hormones are waning so much is toxicity of some kind, whether that's viral toxicity, um, mercury poisoning, chemical poisoning, you know, we have, we have so much stuff that we're dealing with now that our grandmothers never had to deal with. So, um, anyway, they put me on hormones and that was kind of the end of the conversation. It wasn't, let's figure out why her hormones have crashed. You know, perhaps there was like, well, she's down an ovary. Maybe it's because of that, but I'd been down an ovary for the previous two years and had way better hormone levels. Why the sudden evaporation, you know, of my hormones. So I, as a patient, and there's a lot of women that feel this way too, like, okay, I guess I can go on hormones, but I want to fix what's really wrong. And getting help for that journey was unbelievably challenging to me. And it's really only through my own education of what's going on in the body and then kind of finding the people that have the awesome protocols and getting help from those people. Have I been able to manage my own health situation, you know, certainly like if people look from the outside, look at my lifestyle as far as, you know, my stress levels are really under control. I'm in a loving, supportive, awesome relationship. You know, I've got lots of good things going on in my life. I, I eat healthy. I definitely have a regimen that's intended to support my health. I still have, have challenges that I'm dealing with. I still haven't fully gotten all of the mercury and heavy metals Out of my body, you know, so I, I'm still working on it, but thank God I have hormone replacement because without it, not only do you gain weight, but you don't sleep, which is the most miserable part of all of it in my mind you're not sleeping at night, and then you're irritable and cranky during the day, and suddenly you don't have the emotional reserves to deal with life in a patient way, you know, and it impacts all of your relationships, and then things start to spiral, and it creates more stress, and then the more stress depletes your hormones, and you know, it just turns into this vicious thing. So ladies, don't be afraid of pursuing bioidentical hormones. (laughs) End PSA.
0: (laughs) No, love it. Love it. And, you know, we have to continue to make sure that we have these available to us um, as well. And I I agree. You know, I, I think the point that you're making so clearly and I see in practice too is that, you know, the hormones are imbalanced and please treat them and support them. But let's look deeper to why they're imbalanced and also clean that up in your life. Because right. if you just do the hormones and not look at the mercury and all those, xenoestrogens you know, and all this other stuff, um, you're not, you know, healing in the level that is possible for you, so I think that's um, yeah, so it's your journey has put that all together, and um, you know, circling um, well, let me just land on one thing, just because I love to educate people too while we're doing this is that as you mentioned, um, Misty, and I completely agree, um, metal detoxification is not a sprint, it's a marathon, it's a lifestyle, and it takes time, and you know, if you have had. Um, amalgam fillings, or if you, you know, live on planet earth and just have exposures to metals that we all have, mercury, lead, aluminum, arsenic, cadmium, you know, it's really, there's a point in time of debulking your system from, you know, exposures, but it's a lifestyle. We're always exposed, no matter how clean your lifestyle is, Where there is a level of control that we we just don't have. And we just have to accept that and just, um, you know, eat your broccoli sprouts and look at Magdalena's, you know, work and, you know, all of these things that we can do to live a healthy lifestyle because I, I just, um, I, you know, I always, um, you know, kind of a little bit like take a step back when my patients are like, Oh, I've already done chelation. And I'm like, well, how many, you know, sessions have you had? And they're like three. And you know, it, this, is, <laughs> this is a longer you know, process, right? You know, it's, yeah. just, I just want people to understand that and just be patient and gentle with themselves and, and just know that. But, um, so Misty circling back to sleep, sorry to derail us there. I just, you have so much ah. wisdom that you've learned through your journey and so many women are still struggling with everything that you've gone through. So I just want to make sure people, yeah, just, you know, can see, uh, yeah, some nuggets along the way. I love it. Absolutely. So, so you mentioned, you know, taking, um, us back to your journey that you were up for 144 hours straight. Yes. It. Oh my God.
1: 144 hours. It's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, since then, of course I've, I didn't even know that was a thing that people went that long without sleep. And, um, and since I've, I've learned a lot, like I didn't realize how life threatening that actually was for me to go that long without sleeping. Um, I have, I know one other person that went nine days without sleep and, um, there was someone in the healing Rosie community that recently said that she experienced that kind of sleeplessness for two months. And it, in my head, I'm like, how is it even possible that you could be alive if you really went two months without a a wink of sleep? It's, it's really unbelievable to me that we're experiencing this, you know? Um, It's, it's, it's so unbelievably dangerous to our health. I mean, sleep is when we detoxify, our body heals, repairs, restores, Sleep is when we organize our emotions and memory from the day before so that we don't lose our marbles. I mean, there's a lot of really important things that happen when we sleep. And when we're not sleeping, it's like we expect, I'm thinking of my own journey and the amount of money that I've spent on healing protocols to try to get myself better, the amount that I'm spending on supplementation and biohacking, and you know, all the things. And if you're not sleeping, it's like this program is designed to move you five steps forward in your journey. But because your sleep is shot, it's moving you one and a half. And you think of the time that you're investing and the money that you're investing to get like 20% of the results from your efforts that you could have gotten if you were just sleeping at night. I mean, it really turns this whole conversation around. Our number one job for ourselves as we advocate for ourselves and look to crack the code on this is how can we get ourselves sleeping at night and whatever it takes to do that do that one of the points that you made in our interview Dr. Christine was uh, around melatonin and how there's some controversy around you know should you take melatonin long term and you know really are you know if we're giving people melatonin is that going to affect your, your body's ability to produce melatonin and you made a point that I personally really resonated with and that was whether or not there's a long-term consequence, there's absolutely a long-term consequence to not having it and not sleeping. So, you, and, you know, at some point, you just have to make the decision that if I if I do have to supplement this for the rest of my life, I'm committed to doing that because my outcome is sleep. My outcome isn't preserving my melatonin production that's under what my body needs in the first place, you know? And that's totally, by the way, a theory, you guys, we don't, I I think science is inconclusive around that, but you know, people wonder aloud and you know, we, I just think when I see the difference in how my body is, responds when I'm able to sleep well, it's just like a no brainer. I have pulled out the stops in my life. I am a diva about sleep. I've got to get to bed at 10. Even when I go, we do these amazing events you know in this wonderful health space and meet meet amazing people and travel to wonderful places together and i don't i don't do the late parties i will sleep like i will see you guys in the morning and we will i will be bright eyed and bushy tailed i will be on i'll give you all the love and attention and whatever i can and i'm going to sleep you know and i i make sure that i get my sleep every single night. That's just something I've learned. I don't mess around with. And man, you should have seen all the stuff that I did (laughs) to to our environment, doing this summit and talking to these amazing people who are so brilliant and like just learning from everyone. We have room darkening curtains now. I didn't have that before. Um, Just swapped out our, our mattress for the organics bed by IntelliBed and got a chili pad. And (laughs) we've done like and it's, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> I just bought my husband a chili pad and he, like, we just um, got it about a, a, maybe less than a week ago and his sleep has already improved considerably. Yeah. So I'm just, um, yeah.
1: Lowering that body temperature, just it's, it does wonders. We're able to sleep deeper when we're, when our bodies are colder at night and it doesn't, I don't lay in bed shivering by the way. I don't know what, you know, people's preconceived ideas of a chili pad are you can you can control the temperature under you, but then I've got blankets and a down comforter that I can pull up and make myself as warm as I need to be. But there's just something about having this cold right underneath you that, oh, the sleep is so great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he feels so good. Um, so Misty, walk us through some, you know, what is your sleep routine or maybe before we even go there, um, if someone, you know, insomnia is one of the um you know, most common symptoms I have, you know, my patients deal with. And it can be anything from having a hard time falling asleep or waking up in the middle of the night and having a hard time going back to sleep or, you know, waking up too early. Um, So what are some maybe like a checklist of things to think about if people have insomnia? Um, What should they start, um, you know, like looking at in their lifestyle or in their health? And of course, they'll learn more. Um, please, please check out Misty's wonderful summit, but just some, you know, some clues for yeah. people to start thinking about.
1: Sure thing. Well, insomnia, Um, there, there can be a lot of causes for it. So it's one of those things that, you know, I, I wish I could say, here's this, this checklist of five things, and then it'll be cured. <laughs> you know, why are you having, why are you having insomnia? And it was really interesting to hear all the different perspectives that these amazing, Uh, experts and practitioners had on this conversation, you know, a lot of us just flat are not managing our lives well. We are perfectionists and overachievers and we care a lot what other people think and we're never enough. We're never enough for ourselves and we don't want to confront and look at that part of ourselves that feels like we're not enough and we won't be loved. And because of that, we experience an unbelievable amount of stress and our ner- our nervous system, our sympathetic nervous system is tuned and vibrating energetically way higher than is healthy for us. And it's hard to come down at the end of the day. You know, we, we struggle to land the plane like the body. There's there's so much cortisol in the body. It's It's like my six days without sleep. The reason I didn't sleep is because my cortisol levels were so high that I couldn't make sleep hormones. It was just my system was flooded and overwhelmed. So that's what's happening with the way we're living our lives. And I mean, I'm, I raise my hand as guilty. I have certainly, all through my 30s, the amount of stress that I was putting on myself, and I didn't even realize it. It's like the frog was boiled slowly, you know. I was really accustomed to it. Um, there were things I liked about it. So to say, Misty, you have a lot of stress, but I, I love it. <laughs> you know, I I was my nervous system was tuned from a very young age to take on way too much responsibility. And I think that's a really big thing that we have to look at because we can certainly, there was some great protocols, and I'm happy to share some of the things um, that I did learn about working with insomnia that can be helpful. But it's like you can't, there's only so much that you can do with a protocol if you're not managing your life well. And at some point, we've all got to look at that. So I in in fairness to this topic, you know, I think that's where we have to start. And there's a lot of really awesome things we can do if we're dealing with insomnia. You know, it could be a neurotransmitter problem. Um, it could be um, something that can be helped with amino acid therapy. I did an excellent interview with Trudy Scott about insomnia and anxiety And she recommended um, a protocol that she uses with her patients using GABA and a couple of other things. She uses melatonin, too. Melatonin was something that you talked about in your interview, Dr. Christine. Um, Dr. Roger Murphy works with autoimmune uh, patients. And the very first thing that he does with his patients, first of all, those autoimmune patients very often have an insomnia problem. Or they have a problem where they fall asleep, but wake up and then can't fall back to sleep again. And before he does anything with his patients, before before he even dives into all of the diet protocols and all the things that, you know, we can do for autoimmunity, the first thing he does is get people sleeping because you can't heal if you're not sleeping. Like all the other stuff is negligible if he can't get his patients to sleep at night. So he actually outlined his entire protocol um, for us and what he does. Trudy shared her protocol, too. So there's lots of practitioners that shared what they, what they what they offer to their patients who are struggling. And there's a few ways to help. Um, I personally have really benefited from CBD. I love CBD. Um, I personally use plus CBD, uh, their green formula, if I wake up at night and have trouble going back to sleep. And I'm really happy to say that it's been six months or more since that's even been an issue for me. Um, and when I do have that happen, it's usually there's something that's kind of changing in my regimen, changing about my life that's uh, creating that maybe if my hormones need to be dialed in a little bit more or something like that, you know, I'll struggle with that. The CBD can be wonderful. My partner um, has a an old injury in his shoulder that for the most part – with some really great physical therapy and dry needling and a few things like that he has under control, but every now and then he'll get a flare up and that'll impact his ability to sleep. And so he uses sleep, uh, CBD to help him sleep. There's also a, a melatonin formula that, um, that he's tried recently before bed that he just loves as well. So, you know, there's lots of things that we can do to, to support what's, what's happening in our body, some of us have just really compromised guts, and because of that, we're not able to make neurotransmitters and sleep hormones. You know, that that whole conversion process is interrupted because of, of gut dysbiosis, and certainly it's, it's important to work with a great practitioner to kind of help get all that stuff under control. But in the meantime, there's things you can do. There's supplementation that you can take, and the majority of people will move the needle Um, just by incorporating the right protocol. But outside of things like GABA and maybe tryptophan and melatonin and CBD, um, I personally am a huge, huge fan of minding your circadian biology. And that's just this recognition that our, our bodies are wired to respond to light in our environment. And our sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system takes its cues in large part by light. And when we're exposed to blue light after dark, for example, we're looking at our screens. We're in these brightly lit rooms with these led overhead lights that, you know, make it as bright as day That's sending messages into our brain that it's daytime. And so our body isn't moving into that parasympathetic state where it's down regulating in all the right ways to get you ready for bed at night. So I started in 2012, I, learned about all of this initially from Dave Asprey and Ben Greenfield. They have a lot of stuff on their blogs about it, but certainly there's a lot of practitioners that talk about this now. And that was eight or nine years ago. So I put the amber glasses on as soon as the sun goes down. I mean, it's like not dark out. It's just, you know, gray (laughs) and those amber glasses go on. Um, we kill all the lights in the house. I have a few lights that have amber bulbs in them, Um, so we do amber bulbs in the house. We don't do all the overhead lighting, close the blinds, you know, keep the outside light from coming in. And that massively helps. In fact, I tell people all the time this little trick for helping you get to sleep at night. And I am I I am a hundred percent on every single person that has ever tried this has come back reporting improvements that they're raving about. Oh my God, I'm actually able to fall asleep at night. I can't believe how much faster I'm falling asleep. Holy crap. I can't believe, I mean, it's like, this was the thing, (laughs) you know? So that's amazing to do at night. And another thing, it's like the reverse that is, is equally impactful is first thing in the morning, getting that morning sun on your face, because that's when your body begins setting the difference between sympathetic and parasympathetic. It's all light signaling. So, you know, Making sure that you're going out in the morning and getting that sun on your face is just as important as yeah. making sure at night whenever you're moving in to dusk and nighttime that you're putting those amber glasses on and filtering out all of that blue light. So that can be super helpful if you're having trouble falling asleep. And, and some of the reasons that we're having trouble staying asleep at night, honestly, is because of this overexposure to light. It It is a major, major needle mover. I just had someone post in the Healing Rosie Facebook group about their sleep. And she's so frustrated around her sleep. And of course I ask all the questions and one of them is, are you wearing Amber glasses? And she's like, and I'm not wearing the Amber glasses. Cause I talk about it all the time. I'm not wearing the Amber glasses. And I'm like, you're doing all these other things and you're not, you want, you are desperate for sleep and you are not putting a 10 or $15 pair of glasses on your face at night. It's such an easy, it's such an easy hack. It's such an easy hack. So those are a
0: few tips. Yeah, I love those, Misty, and I'm um, a firm believer in, you know, our our circadian biology. And, um, you know, we have wonderful people who pioneered this, as you mentioned. And, um, yeah, I think that looking at circadian biology and the rhythms of light throughout the day get us, you know, connected to kind of this natural rhythm that we're, you know, disconnected um, from because of all the modern conveniences in life, right? And so we, I actually had a... Maybe a year ago at this point, a woman um, who's an architect who specializes in circadian uh, lighting. Um, and I, I um, also Dave Asprey mentioned to me that he is coming up with a new circadian light bulb as well. So I think we're only going to see more um, tools um that are going to help impact our sleep using this non-chemical or pharmaceutical, um, you know, intervention. So it's, it's really exciting. I'm, I'm happy uh, you mentioned that. And, you know, in, in wrapping up, Missy, we I have to ask you about the cold baths, right? So we... <laughs> yes. In the days of, you know, many people know about Wim Hof, of course, and, you know, that work, and, you know, just the naturopathic medicine, the traditional contrast hydrotherapy and the cold therapy. And, you know, how, um, how do you implement cold baths, um, in your life and how did they impact your sleep?
1: So I, I started doing cold baths for the first time, um, in 2011, it was later in the year, uh, for me and, and they're really not that hard. Um, I, I would do a cold bath any day of the week over a cold shower. I I'm in Austin. There's a lot of like biohacker, achiever, entrepreneur, super performer people here that are doing a cold bath every day. I think, a, uh, sorry, a cold shower. I think cold showers are torture. I've done them. Um, it, it, is, it is terrible. It is not nearly as jarring in my experience to the nervous system as doing a cold bath. So for most of us, you want your cold bath to be around 60 to 64 degrees. Um, you can do extreme cold therapy. There are people that get there, and I've done it before. I've gotten the, the water down to like 35 degrees. I don't notice a difference, honestly. If I'm dropping myself into 60 deg- degrees or dropping myself into 30 degrees, there's there's a 45-second point where it's like it feels very cold, <laughs> And I'm hyperventilating, but the body adjusts just like when you jump into a swimming pool, you know, you get in there at first and the water's cold and then your body adjusts and it's fine. Um, That's my experience. Um, In the winter time, most of the time, just what comes out of your tap is fine. Um, I went on Amazon and got this, um, it's like this laser, Uh, Roderick, my partner would know what it's called, but it's like this laser that you can, can point at the water and it'll tell you the temperature. So I got one of those. It was a few bucks. And helped me to know what the temperature was. But most of what's coming out of the tap is in the 60-degree range. Um, When it gets really warm outside, sometimes that temperature will go up into the 70s. Um, In the wintertime, you'll see it drop down into the 50s. Maybe if it's really, really cold where you are, it's getting into the 40s or 30s or whatever. But um, you can use tap water. You can also pick up ice if you want to make it a little bit colder. But I just drop myself in, give myself the hyperventilating time. And I actually let my body do that. There's something about the action of just breathing really heavily um, that that calms everything down. And then I just bring a book, set a timer, 30 to 45 minutes in the bath. And, if, you know, I go through seasons of this where it's like part of my routine. I really should start incorporating it again, actually, because um, of some biohacking stuff that I'm doing right now that it would be a great compliment to But it's such an easy thing to do. And I was astonished at the impact it had on my sleep because I wasn't doing it for that. So it was completely unexpected um, and thrilling, you know, Oh my gosh. You know, me who's always had such a hard time waking up in the mornings to just like wake up in the mornings and be like "Bing on birds. <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. This is the thing. So yeah. Cold therapy is good for so many things. It's really good for your mitochondria you know, it can really support the body in healing, especially if you're in a really worn down state, your mitochondria is just exhausted from fighting viruses and being sick for a really long time. Um, cold baths are a really smart addition to everything else that you're doing because you're actually supporting your, the healing process in your body and being able to speed up a little bit, which is, you know, ultimately what, what we need, a lot of what happens, and this is right down your lane, Dr. Christine, you can talk about this way better than I can, but when we get, when our bodies get really run down, even when we're doing things to stimulate a healing process, it's like the healing process is moving along at five miles an hour and the disease process is moving along at 45 miles per hour. Like you just, there's no way that the healing process, because your mitochondria is so compromised, can ever even catch up to how fast- that disease process is doing. So something like cold therapy is really, really beneficial. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of other things you need to do whenever you're that, that severely compromised, but uh, I love cold therapy for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, such, uh, so many great points. And I think it just has a huge impact on our autonomic nervous system and getting our yep. body into state of parasympathetic. Getting- yeah, reducing inflammation. And- Absolutely. So there's just, and it's you know, every most people have access to cold water, so that is a good thing, you know. So it's yeah. more of an accessible treatment. Um, so Misty, you've given us so much information. I mean, I, I it's been so fun getting to know you in this way. Um, and interview you since you um, interviewed me last <laughs> time we talked. And yes. so, um, so no, I uh, I know that. You're, you're giving so much value to your community, and we're really, really excited about uh, your upcoming summit. And can you just share a little bit more about how people can find out more about your summit and uh, the work you do?
1: Yeah. Well, everything about um, the work that I'm doing can be found at HealingRosie.com. Uh, we have a Facebook community that's thriving. We've got over 5,000 women in that community as of the time of this recording, Um, With the sleep summit, I expect that number to grow exponentially. The last summit I did was kind of the kickoff for this community. Um, But it's a great place for people to come and just get support. Hey, here's what I'm dealing with. You know, what have you guys tried? What's working? This, the community is very educated, actually. Uh, I was really surprised when this community started coming together to see that there were a lot of people who were like me in the community that really enjoy contributing making a difference. My goal with this community is for people to have a place they could come to get practical um, direction and ideas for dealing with their situation. Sometimes the practical direction and ideas is, you know, who are the experts that help with this? And I'm looking for a doctor in my area, or how do I find a, find a doctor to help me? Or, you know, how do I work with health insurance? And, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of big questions around this that, that impact your success on this journey that are outside of what's going to happen in the office of a really great practitioner. You know, we all have to figure out how to manage or remanage our lifestyles. And, um, and that's what this community does great. We don't, even though there's an acknowledgement that it's really, conventional medicine is, can be really frustrating, It's I don't really love people complaining a lot about that. It doesn't help. Uh, it doesn't really serve anything. What we want to do is have a positive place to come and get the support that we actually need. Let's focus on what we can do to move the needle. There's, there's nothing to be gained by complaining about what hasn't worked. So it's a wonderful community. Um, everyone is welcome. And um, I believe you are going to have a link to Your Best Sleep Ever in the show notes here so people can go sign up for that. It's a free event, um, March 16th through 20th. Um, In 2020, um, if you're listening to this after those dates, you're still able to go and get access to the summit um, and check it out. We will be releasing around seven talks a day for seven days. I think there's some days that we have eight. I think there's just over 40 experts. Um, And then, of course, we'll have Encore Weekend the following weekend. So I would love for people who are struggling with sleep and are looking for some insights and strategies and really practical things that, that you can do to improve your sleep to sign up. I love practicality. So in every interview, I'm asking questions like, how, okay, tell me the protocol. What do we need to do about this? And, um, and I hope that everyone is able to find the nuggets that are going to help them break through in this area, because when you sleep, you can heal. And that's really, that's really all of our goals that are on this journey. You know, we're really looking for a better quality of life. And you can create that if you're sleeping.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You've done such a fantastic job and I'm uh, really looking forward to seeing your summit as well. And I appreciate you including me and, um, no, you just gave so much great information today. So I really appreciate your time today, Misty, and getting to know you. And I look forward to learning more from you.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Christine. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Misty Williams. Please check out her summit. You'll see the link in the show notes, your best sleep ever summit. And I hope this can be impactful, not only to your sleep, but to your overall health. Be well, everyone. I am thinking about everyone in this unique time. And please know that prioritizing sleep is one of the best things you
1: can do for your health.